there is the whole loving of the enemy in Christianity, the litmus test. Do you, you speak about that in the book? Because that's do. very difficult. Yeah, when I come to the chapter on love God, love your neighbour, love yourself, I deal with that quite explicitly. If we go back to that text about loving those who love you, he says, of what benefit in Greek? What benefit is that to you? But where you show you love somebody is when you love people whom you don't like, who are your enemies. And this wasn't a small teaching. Remember that Israel is surrounded by people it, it had been at war with for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So uh, when Jesus rejects eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and I say, do good to those who are your enemies, forgive those. This is a really tough teaching for Israel to hear, for the followers, the Jewish uh, community he was talking to at that moment. And I think this really matters because Francis takes the whole idea of following Jesus in love and puts it in mercy and forgiveness and compassion. And I think that's essential. I think how I love people whom I find it very difficult to love can be to be try and firstly be compassionate. What's it like to be a woman in a man's world? What's it like to be gay in a straight world? What's it like to be black in a white world? What's it like to be poor in a rich world? What's it like to be a refugee in a settled world? To be disabled in an abled world? Just for starters, what's it like? So compassion always asks us to move to see the world from their point of view. Um, that's the first point. The second thing is then when we're really encountering family members and uh, friends and colleagues at work who can be very difficult and have said or done terrible things to us and we're called to love. Well, part of that is called to forgive them. And I say a few things about forgiveness in the book because it's absolutely, I think, I think love is like a mother who has a number of children and one of those eldest oldest children is forgiveness now this is tough because when we're hurt and we're wounded and we've terrible things have been said and done we're not denying it forgiveness doesn't deny um, reality the second thing it does is it deals with it so we've got to give people some feedback of what they've, they've said and done to the degree that we can but we've got to see that sometimes some relationships are so toxic that you have to limit the damage christian forgiveness has had this ridiculous ridiculous idea that we just let, let people keep walking over us and saying and doing terrible things. Uh, we're never asked to be dehumanized because of our Christian faith. We're never, ever asked to be somebody who lets people walk all over us, do terrible things to us. Sometimes Christian love, which this is the tough side of it, sets up some boundaries that are utterly appropriate. So I don't have to keep seeing my sister who treats me abominably, for instance. I don't have to allow a work colleague to say terrible things to me or about me. I have to confront that behavior. That's the Christian thing to do. And when people say, oh, you're a Christian or a Catholic, you should just be forgiving. Because I am a Christian or a Catholic, I call you to account for what you've done and what you've said. I also have to exercise. I've got to let it go because forgiveness, last point I want to make, is forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. It's, we often think it's a gift you're giving somebody else and we're letting them off the hook. Actually, forgiveness is something, it's a gift you give yourself. I'm not letting you take up so much space in my head anymore or my heart for that matter. I want to be able to be a freer person. So forgiveness can set up boundaries. It can deal with reality. It's a gift you give yourself so that you might be more free to then give yourself over to the people who love you back and who treat you with dignity and respect, which is what we say all God's children deserve. Right. We're at time of this interview. Ukraine has been invaded by Russia and the world, probably the number one for many, many people, arch-criminal would be 
uh, Putin in Russia. How does one love, forgive, show compassion or mercy to Vladimir Putin? The um, first thing to say is God loves Vladimir Putin. There's no question about that. But God's love is also, we also believe in God's justice. And and that's been a very strong feature in Catholic life as well. So we're going to, as we used to, as we still say in the Confitio, but I think the old translation was better, for what we've done and what we've failed to do. We used to confess uh, that we and ask for forgiveness. Well, God will ask for a reckoning. I, I believe in a just God, but this is a God who's utterly compassionate and knows the human heart. I wonder whether Vladimir Putin is mentally ill. There is claims that he's physically ill. His behaviour is so bizarre, so evil, that that has to be called out and has been called out. Our response then, as I've seen in the world community from Australia to Ireland, is simply to try and look after the Ukrainians, to support them, and in fact, fact help them resist aggression. You know, the Catholic Church has never had a problem in resisting evil, and we have obligations to do what we can to protect as many lives as we can. Now, it is shocking and terrible that at the same point that might mean inflicting damage on other people, but that's not our primary motivation. It's to try and get the best, just, most compassionate outcome for the people that through no fault of their own have been invaded. So I think economic sanctions, I think international diplomacy are the first thing to be explored, but then we have to defend what has to be defended, both people, their property, their rights, their land, when they have had unjust aggression. What God does with Vladimir Putin after he dies, he will be called to account. And indeed, maybe while he's alive and this uh, war is over, and please God, that's soon, he might be held to account by an international court of justice. And so he should be. We're free agents to make decisions, but in Christianity, you're also completely obliged to stand by the consequences of those decisions and held to account for them. There's not a contradiction of that in Christian theology. You mentioned St. Paul and he oversaw the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen prayed like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It isn't easy to say those words. But if you're a follower of Christ, as you're saying in this law of love, I mean, you have to extend that to the people that you feel are the most oppressive, that they too deserve forgiveness and you know it's it's hard isn't it mm. oh i think this is immensely like this is all great in theory and very hard in practice but it's about the placement of the heart it's the placement of our motivation it's about our desire you know saint ignatius loyola was a wise man and at one stage in one of his letters he talks about this desire to forgive somebody and um, he says, you know, sometimes you're not ready to forgive somebody because they won't take responsibility for what they've said or what they've done, but it's still been very painful. So Ignatius Loyola says, sometimes the first prayer you've got to ask is for the desire to want to forgive them. And there have been a couple of people who've hurt me in my life, and I had to start with the desire to want the desire to get the desire to want a desire to forgive them. So you go back as many steps as you have to because it's the desire even asking, say, I don't, I'm not ready to forgive that person because that is uh, who could, for instance, you know, for a victim of uh, clerical sexual abuse, for somebody who murders a child. I, I'm not going to, as a pastor, I'm not standing in the pulpit saying to at the funeral of a child who's been murdered. Now we have to forgive the perpetrator. Firstly, I think that would be the cruelest thing to do emotionally to that family. And also it's idiotic theology. 
the best we can say is let's keep working now on being as merciful and as forgiving as we can be. And that it's a process. It's really once and for all and we're done. It's actually a process. And sometimes we get a few bit forward, we go a bit back, we come and have another go. But we've got to be on the road. And that's why with Paul, we've got a great example who kept working that through through his life. And we find it in some of the greatest saints too, that they struggled with uh, love and forgiveness and compassion, but they kept going at it. And sometimes when it gets tough for us, we can just, you know, throw our hands in the air and say, oh, well, I, I just can't do that. I just can't forgive them. Ignatius, if he's right, and I think he is, he'll say, well, keep praying for the desire because God will grant you that desire, please God, and then you might be in, you might be able to move forward. Um, and I think that's a rich concept. I think it gives people another option where it's not a all or nothing game. Um, it's a something game. And in the middle, we've got to keep working at where we're being called to in following Christ. I say in the book, it comes as a bit of a shock to Catholics to realize this, but Jesus has next to nothing to say about sex in the Gospels. Now, I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm not saying that, therefore, it's of a secondary nature. Our body, clearly, and our desires and our love need to be something of which gives dignity and respect and virtue and goodness to the world and to ourselves. What I am saying is actually a simple statement of fact, that there are two big sins from Jesus' own lips. The first is hypocrisy. That's the one he rails at all the time, those who say one thing and do another, which is all of us at some stage. And the second are those who won't forgive. They're the, from his own lips, they're the two big sins in the New Testament. So when we come along and say, oh, I want to follow Jesus and I want to be a better Christian, a better Catholic, I'm baptised in Christ. Well, how are we going on hypocrisy and how are we going on forgiveness? Because sometimes I find some Catholics can be terribly sexually righteous and demand the world to be like that. But they've got a few challenges when it comes to some of the other areas on which Jesus was significantly strong and somehow we moved away from that.